Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show is brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. You need to have a great relationship with your insurance agent because, look, you need to be covered in this world. You need to be. So you want to have an insurance agent that you completely trust. Someone that's going to find you exactly the insurance that covers you at the best price. And then if something happens, they act as if it happened to them. They are a true partner. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. The customer comes first every time. Saturday night was a magical night for Penn State sports. A men's ice hockey Big Ten championship for the first time. A sixth national championship in the past seven years for wrestling. Our play-by-play calls of the day. Fry tag, Penn State end. Jammed away from him momentarily. Sweeps it out front. Poked by Thompson forward. Byro. Folks neutral zone. Gets the pass. Breakaway. Right to left. Teeks. Fire. Scores! The golden goal! Penn State Big Ten champions! Liam Falks, the winner, an incredible scene on the ice as there's pandemonium, a celebration underway. Penn State has done it. He is mobbed. Jones comes through on the back end. 2-1 double overtime. Big Ten champions. Joseph and Martinez battling ear to ear. Martinez trying to get in. He's in under the arms. Joseph looks like he wants to counter. He throws Martinez on his back. He's got Martinez flat. He got the pin. Vincenzo Joseph pinned him. Vincenzo Joseph wins the national championship in dramatic fashion. Joseph throws Martinez to his back, and he gets the pin. Do you believe it? 425. And how do you do, Vincenzo Joseph? Two great announcers, Brian Tripp and Jeff Byers, signature moments handled in signature Penn State fashion. Two great announcers matching two great moments in Penn State history, Brian Tripp Penn State men's ice hockey, first ever Big Ten championship. And of the five wins, Vincenzo Joseph was the one that sent everyone through the roof, called by Jeff Byers. Outstanding by both. How lucky Penn State is to have both of them calling games and matches. All right. Let's bring in Donnie Collins now, Scranton Times Tribune. It's always fun to get Donnie in there. Donnie, welcome back. Great to have you with us on the show today. One of the great things to me about spring football is that 
we can extend conversations like these into March and April. <laughs> it's a lot more fun, if you ask me. Uh, let's uh, get to uh, your thoughts on this team. What are a couple of areas that immediately you would have a question about and would like to see the beginning of an answer for? Well, yeah, I, I think... I mean, I, I, I want to see who... You know, who's still, who, who kind of comprises the offensive line. And it's not, it's not the same. You know, we ask this question, seems like every year. You know, what's this offensive line going to look like? And it's a different kind of question this year because it's just a matter of fitting the pieces together. I mean, they, they have, you know, six guys who started a game, I think, last year coming back, but, but they do have to replace Guy. I, I'd like to see, you know, if I'm, if I'm the coaching staff, somebody, Kind of take over at the, at the center spot, and I'm assuming it'll be McGovern or someone like that. You know, Menace, one of those guys. But, but I, I think I think you want to see one of those guys kind of step in and, and you know and, and look the part and kind of take you know anchor that offensive line. And and, and on defense, I, I want to see someone you know kind of step up as a pass rusher, a Shane Simmons, you know, uh, Sharif Miller, maybe you know, kind of you know stepping up a, a little bit and you know, see who's really improved but but I, I think that you know with, with this team there's a lot of a lot of pieces coming back and and it's just a matter of who's going to who's going to step in and take over for a guy like Godwin or a guy like you know uh Garrett Sickles and and, and come in and and, and and kind of emerge and it, and there's always somebody who does and it's just some, you know this is the time of year where you really kind of start to see that you mentioned Godwin, for example. Godwin and Sickles have been the two primary guys that have drawn the focus going into the NFL draft. I mean, what's been your thought on what you've seen combine-wise and uh, pro day-wise from those two, and what their evaluation in your mind might be? Well, yeah, Sickles, I, I'll start with him because he was about exactly what I figured he'd be. I mean, it, it, it's very, you know, it's very tough to tell just by watching them in pass, but they're going to run in the forty and. Right. Stuff like that, but he, he kind of showed. You know, he's a, a strong, tough kid. And, you know that that that's what I think he is. He is his role is going to be going forward. And you know, I, I, I mean, honestly, I, if I were him, I'd have come back. I, I thought he's a guy who probably could have improved his draft stock next year. But you know, he, he's got his reasons, and, and I think he's probably a, a fifth, sixth round guy. Maybe maybe he sneaks into the fourth. Um, Godwin, and, and I'm going to admit this, and it's going to make me sound totally stupid. I thought he should have come back too. No, I'm, I'm clearly very wrong because he he ran a you know he, he runs really well at the at the combine, then comes up to pro day and runs just as well. So clearly he's a very very fast runner in in, in the straight line. Clearly from what we saw last year, great hand. I, someone's going to have to convince me he's not one of the first two or three receivers off the board. I, I think someone's going to really fall in love with him and, and go and, and, and kind of grab him and, and hope they can, you know, he, he slides into a number two receiver spot for somebody. But he's, he's I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of another Penn State player I've seen go into the combine early and, and, and really light it up like this. And, and I'm, I'm having trouble because, you know, he, he was really a lot better than I thought he'd be in, in, in the workouts. And, and, and I you know, I keep seeing third, fourth round for him. I, I don't buy it. I think he's a first or second round guy. Yeah, I, the primary question, Donnie, I always have about a player when I'm when I hear that there's a consideration of going early or not. My primary consideration always is this: if they stay, can they get better, or have they topped out? And with Godwin, that's something I wondered about. I wondered if he had really hit, like this is as good as he'll be at this level. 
it was going to be very difficult for him to play better than he did in the Rose Bowl. Right. And, and, and that's what I kept coming back to. You know, I, because, you know, I, I remember sitting in one of the many airports I sat in on the way home from, <laughs> from that game. You know, I was kind of, kind of writing something, you know, that I was going to, you know, about Godwin. And I thought, in fact, you wrote something in oh. each, you wrote something in each airport, Donnie, and that meant you ended up writing 18 columns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was at least three. <laughs> that's how many I ended up in. Oh, but, but yeah, I, I, I seem to, I, I remember just sitting there thinking, is he going to have a better game than this? Is it, and is one game enough to send you into the pros? And and, and I, I just I wondered about if he goes and runs a four five eight, which is probably about what I was thinking four five eight in that range, four six in that range. I was thinking, oh man, that that this could be a a rough decision if he decides to leave early just based on this one game. And when you run a four four two or whatever he ran. <laughs> You're going high, so I, I, I think clearly he made the right decision. He's going to make himself. He's going to. He bought himself a year of professional football. Yeah. At, at, at worst, and, you know, and and honestly, he's he's one of those guys. I thought he's going to be great. He's going to, you're going to look at him and say his production in college was tremendous, even if his if his numbers at the combine weren't great. But now he's got the whole package. So I mean, I don't think you know, the Ross kid from Washington ran a. Four two or whatever he ran, yeah. so I, he's probably just gonna he's probably gonna skyrocket, maybe even higher than Godwin. I'm telling you, I saw that kid play. He's not as good as Godwin is. Uh, now, which brings us, what are a couple of guys that you will look at at that wideout spot that will need to then divvy up his production from the past year? Yeah, that's a that's a, that's a great question because, and, and you know, I, and I think everybody. Most people you ask that question, they're going to say they want to see Juwan Johnson. They want to see, you know, a couple of the the kids that are coming in with, with the new recruiting class. You know, Hippenham or Sullivan Brown or, or one of those guys, or uh, you know, even Irvin Charles. But I, I think I, that, as far as replacing that production, it, it's it's going to come down to a couple of guys who need to be more consistent, and that's Tompkins and. And uh, Blacknell, and, and it's not a it's not a fun answer for anybody because everybody wants to see the new guys. Sure, but you know if if Tompkins and, and Blacknell aren't better, and and, and for for Blacknell being on the field, he got to be on on the field. He's a dominant player when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. He's a very electrifying player, and you know, but he 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 wasn't he wasn't there in Pasadena. He missed some games early in the season with with an injury. So you, you you want to see the guy who showed up for the Big Ten championship game a little more often. You want to see, and, and and the same thing with Tompkins. He you know, he kind of disappears at times. So those guys have to be the ones who who assert themselves and, and kind of you know provide that outside option where you where you allow Gasicki to open up the middle and, and you allow uh, you know Deshaun Hamilton to do what he does. You know he, he's he's going to be a a consistent producer. You you would think. You know, underneath, but but a lot, of, but somebody's got to stretch the field and, and and do some of the things that Godwin did and be the go-to guy on on the outside. And I, I don't I don't think it's fair to ask Juwan Johnson and Charles to do that. Not that they can't. When you have a couple of guys out there with experience, that can do it. That brings me. Uh, I'll make one uh, one final question. But Donnie, something I don't think is talked often enough. You know, you mentioned that a lot of people, and I can completely understand, be enamored with. Some players they haven't really seen before, but they've heard a lot about. Why don't we talk enough about the element of trust that a, that a coach needs to have in the people he puts out there? I have no idea. But I, I know from covering minor league baseball for as long as I did, 
um, you know, it's 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 the number one thing that you know the organizations look at. They want to, and and, and baseball managers are that way. They do want a, a guy who's been there and done that, and and that's going to always be the first guy who gets the chance. And it's the same in it's the same in every sport, and obviously it's the same at Penn State with with, with football team and. You know, and, and any team at Penn State, obviously, but you know, it's you know, if you're counting on somebody, here's my view. This is just my opinion. If you're counting on somebody who's who's never done it, then you're weak at that spot. And and and, and Jawan Johnson's a guy. I mean, I look at him physically. I I I can't believe there's a guy out there who can cover Jawan Johnson. He, he's he's massive, and he, he just just one of those guys. You if you look you look at him, he's going to jump over people. He's going to he's going to run past them. You hear you hear about his speed. But you look at him and you look at the numbers and it just, he hasn't, he hasn't stepped up yet. He hasn't, he hasn't done that. He hasn't done that work yet. But, you know, a guy like Blacknall, you look at the, you know, at the Big Ten championship game and man, he was dominant that day. Right. So, I mean, I, I would tend to look at him before I would look at one of the younger guys or, you know, it's not, not just Johnson and Charles, but especially someone just coming in from high school. I, I think Blacknall, I mean, I, I, I can't stress enough. He's a huge key on this team. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So, so, so I mean, that trust he's he's got to he's got to rebuild some of that, and he, he's he's got to go out and earn it on the field, of course. But that's the guy I look to. Donnie, always a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. Definitely. Thanks, Steve. Donnie Collins, Scranton Times Tribune. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sunbury Motors Lincoln continues to satisfy the most discerning buyer by making American luxury affordable. If you are looking for a midsize SUV, the Lincoln MKX has to be on your list. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has a brand new 2016 Black Velvet MKX all-wheel drive with navigation and panoramic Vista roof with an MSRP of $48,640 for only $43,352. That's $5,288 in savings. You can choose from 12 MKXs in stock now. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has five 2017 Lincoln Continentals in stock, ready for the test drive of your life. The 2017 Continental won the coveted 2017 AutoGuide.com Reader's Choice Luxury Car of the Year Award. Sunbury Motors has a 2017 Continental with an MSRP of 48315 discounted to 46315 Now is the time to see why more people are realizing they can move up to a brand new Lincoln from Sunbury Motors Lincoln in the North Fourth Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Insuring your business is serious stuff. You don't need gimmicks or cutesy mascots or punchlines. You certainly don't want red tape. You just want the right coverage at the right price. We're as serious about insuring your business as you are about running it. Selective. Response is everything. Get to know your local selective agent, Pretty Insurance, on Market Street in Sunbury or at prettyinsurance.com. Find out what Pretty Insurance can do for you. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Northwestern Gonzaga game. But there was a point in the game in the second half where it got really close, obviously. And Northwestern got within four or five, whatever. And they kept showing the emotions of a, an 11 year old in the stands. Well, you know who the 11 year old is, don't you? I mean, I'm sure you saw it. You know, I mean, crying, getting upset, getting mad, you know. 
That's John Phillips. He is the son of Northwestern Athletic Director Jim Phillips. He's an 11-year-old kid. How many times do we have to keep cutting back to his emotions out there? I mean, he's a kid. I mean, isn't there only so often we can exploit the shot? And I do use the word exploit carefully. Well, they had to take a break from showing Julia Louis-Dreyfus all the time. I was <laughs> that got that got old pretty quick. <laughs> Especially when you know, it'd be different if her if her if her son was in the starting five. But <laughs> well, I know. I mean, I realized. Look, I, yeah. I mean, I, I you know he. You know, He's Just on, so you know, he's on the team. Yeah. Well, he is on the team, and, yeah. and Brad, Brad Hall and Julia Louis Dreyfus have been married, I think, for more than thirty years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're both Northwestern grads. And as somebody who's actually seen Charlie Hall play <laughs> in person, <laughs> he formerly of Saturday Night Live, and of course, she a very talented and very funny actress. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know. That's fine. I mean, I understand that. You know, we got to show the Bill Murray shot every time that Xavier plays and so forth. I mean, but after a while... Yeah, they kept cutting to Doug in the stands. Boy, he was intense, especially... <laughs> he, he, he wasn't going to show any emotion and any emotion well, whatsoever Doug, until zero 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 was on the clock. Yeah, Jack got a hold of me because Jack needed Doug's cell phone number to call, to talk to him the other day, so... Because um, again, I don't think people may not realize Jack is Jack Ham is Doug's daughter's godfather. Because they both they they both came out about the same time. Uh, Doug into the NBA is the first overall pick. Jack they had the same agent, so they became really good friends over the years. And it's funny because I'll, uh, if I ever see Doug Collins, he'll always say to me, Steve Dobroshonka. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> uh, so, but, okay, fine. But showing the youngster over and over and over again, he's a kid. Hey, what's best for the TV broadcast? I mean, come on. Let's use a little judgment here. Show the game. Uh, you know, and I feel, and I felt awful for for Chris Collins, because I've I've been an advocate for a couple of years now that a coach in college basketball should be allowed one challenge each half, right? Not on a foul or anything like that, but in other words, the ball goes out of bounds, and they know at the bench, hey, look, it went off the other guy. And it's not reviewable to the final two minutes of the game. But I think you should be allowed a challenge. And if you lose the challenge, by the way, you lose a timeout. Well, Doug Collins, or excuse me, Chris Collins, and you could see it on the broadcast. Like, you know, Barrett went up to, you know, Barrett Benson went up to dunk it. And you could see the hand go right through the hoop. I'm like going, oh, okay, that, that's goaltending. No. I'm like, what do you mean, No. And then he goes crazy, and to compound the fact that the official made an absolute, right, got the call absolutely wrong, he then compounded the mistake by teeing up the coach, who was absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, that's when you're going really, really bad. Right? You're officiating the game, you get the call wrong, and you tee up the guy who's right. That's why I think to try to avoid that, in each half, a coach should get a challenge. But the penalty for getting the challenge wrong has got to be the loss of a timeout. 
that's you know, in other words, you, there's got to be some risk involved here. And so I'm sure you want to say, save your challenge, save your challenge, save your challenge, and then finally, you know, and you don't have to worry about challenges in the final two minutes because in the final two minutes they check it anyway. So those challenges are available for the first 20 minutes of the first half, one, and then one in the first 18 minutes of the second half. And I've, I've always felt that. I've always felt that coaches should have the right to challenge. College football coaches have the right to challenge. NFL coaches do. Um, and I think college basketball coaches should be allowed a challenge each half because there's too much at stake. And that avoids, that would avoid if you still had it in your back pocket with a timeout available. That avoids the compounding of a mistake where the official is absolutely wrong, the coach is absolutely right, and the coach gets teed up. Chris Collins got teed up for being right. And I've always felt that. I mean, you're down to now three timeouts in a second half anyway, max. You have to use it or lose it in the first half. You get three in the second half. And again, the penalty is if you get the challenge wrong, okay, you're allowed to challenge in pro tennis. You're allowed to challenge in Major League Baseball. I think, you, you know... The stakes are too high in something like this. You should be allowed to have one each half, but the penalty is you lose a timeout if you lose the challenge. I think that would then avoid the stupidity of what we saw there. And don't keep showing the kid. He's a kid. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Mention how the, often how the Purdy's have served the Valley for decades. You only do that if you have quality service. You only that only happens if you understand that you put the customer first. That's what it's all about, and they get it uh, that they do this, and that's how you're in business for decades. That's how you, then, then you get back. And by the way, the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament is going to take place uh, at the uh, Susquehanna Valley Country Club on May 3rd. Let's sell that thing out. It benefits the great people at the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. Now, that's giving back to a great organization. All right. Time now for the Sports Bozo of the Day. The dude that stole Tom Brady's jersey evidently also has the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl jersey, too. Hey, Mike. It really. I'm going to pose as a media member, walk in, and steal it. Uh... An international media member. The league announced that the Patriots quarterback game-worn jersey 
from the last two Super Bowls he played in were retrieved after an FBI investigation. They were found in Mexico and are currently being authenticated by authorities. Major newspaper publishing company has identified the man allegedly involved in the case as Martin Mauricio Ortega, who was the director of one of the newspapers until he resigned last Tuesday. Stunning. They announced in a statement Monday that it accepted Ortega's resignation, citing his previous mentions of family health issues, and said it had no previous knowledge, other than the fact that he kept showing up at work and what he told everybody was a Brady replica. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, it takes all kinds. It takes all kinds. So that's our sports bozo of the day. Finishing a close second, continued shots of Johnny Phillips. I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't, I, I just, I see stuff like that, and it really bothers me that, okay, I can understand he's emotional, so you show up, but you keep going back and keep going. He's a kid. He's a kid. I mean, I haven't seen raw emotion like that. Last time I saw that, they told the suit that we weren't allowed seconds at the holiday party. You know, the one I'm always invited to that I never get to go to? Oh, there we go again. There's a shot. <laughs> There's a shot. Here's one for you. Okay, I'm busy next Thursday next year, too. <laughs> okay? <laughs> First Thursday in December. Every Thursday, okay? <laughs> From August until April, every Thursday. Two words, coach's show. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, no, you're really an important part of the family. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I feel great. Uh, all right. But I don't know. I've been watching this tournament, and yeah, I think you you need to take people through the basketball part of it. For example, I'm watching Wichita State, and I'm watching Kentucky, and I don't know. There's what Wichita State gets the ball back. Wichita gets the ball with what now? Forty eight fifty seconds left. My first thought is, okay, if they can get a shot up here in. 10 to 12 seconds. That means they can get two of the last three possessions if they need it. It's the first thing I think of. Does anybody say it? And so we have to hear some story about, you know, you know, walking through five miles of snow to get to some location. I mean, it's like, well, nobody, do the game. Do the game. Hey, we're now at the dramatic point. All the stories are for the blowout moments. Okay? Hey, Sue always talked about, oh, storylines and stories. At some point, you got to do the game. Okay? People are tuning into the game. And, you know, and they got the shot up, and they still had, I don't know, I want to say eight seconds left. And they did get the ball back and had a chance to tie. And you know, and then a freshman mistake is made. And the freshman mistake that is made is that the really great three point shooter Frank Camp is actually open to his right. 
So you got to be smart. Give up the ball on a good bounce pass. Give that kid a shot and take it. It's your best shot at winning. The officiating in the tournament, my biggest gripe with officiating is quite simple. In order to do a really good job at anything, you have to have a good feel for it. You can't do a good talk show unless you have a feel for doing a talk show. You can't do an interview unless you have a feel for doing an interview. uh, Same thing with doing play-by-play. Same thing with coaching. Same thing with playing. You have to have a feel for the game. And the great officials, a guy like Pat Driscoll, for example, Pat Pat's a great official. Have a, they have a feel for the game? They understand when an advantage is being gained because of contact. They understand when there's no advantage being gained, and they officiate the game that way. No advantage doesn't matter. Just play on. Advantage gained? Wait a minute. You gained an advantage by doing that because you did. We're going to have to call a foul because you gained an advantage. And there's too much of that. That's why I talked about the coach's challenge. You try to eliminate that one per half. You may find nobody uses any. Uh, I know people complain there are too many stoppages anyway. That's why I couple with the failure of a coach's challenge to a timeout. Let's put some risk to it. How many coaches are going to be willing to risk a first-half timeout unless it's late? But you have to have a feel for the game. That's why it's bothered me watching some of the officiating in the tournament. It's just like, like it's too, many, too often not a great feel for the game. Duke lost... There have been some complaints they had to play in Greenville. If you're really good, you can play anywhere and win. I mean, simple as that. Well, it isn't that far of a trip from Durham to Greenville. And it wasn't going to be that far of a trip from Columbia and South Carolina up to Greensboro. You're still going to have just as many South Carolina fans there, and you're going to have just as many Duke fans there. And, of course, as you know, it got moved out of North Carolina because of the of the bathroom law down there. And I saw somebody complaining about that. I wrote a column about that. Some of the great columns that I read offer analysis, offer insight, but also have the ability to find something different. I will give you an example. Jimmy Breslin the New York Daily News writer for decades seemed to have the ability over the course of his lifetime and career to tell the story no one expects. I'll give you two examples. After President Kennedy was killed, in 1963, Jimmy Breslin tracked down the man who for $3.01 an hour dug graves at Arlington Cemetery and interviewed him about his emotions because he had to dig the grave for the President of the United States. Now that's finding something completely different in a thought process than anybody else. He did the same thing on John Lennon. He tracked down the police officers 
that were called to the scene and had to drive John Lennon to Roosevelt Hospital. Again, I'm talking from pure journalism point of view, and I talk about this in my broadcasting class all the time. Try to find an angle in today's world that tells a story about a story everybody already knows. And that's what makes writing today different. For example, Dick Girardi, Jim Boyle, and as you know, obviously, I, I, I was acquainted with Jim because of his job at St. Joe's. I know his daughter, Tracy, because Brian Daly was an assistant coach here, and Brian was Jim's son-in-law. Jim's passed away. I probably once or twice, maybe, met Tess Boyle, Jim's wife. Well, unbeknownst even to the Boyle family, Jim Boyle lost his 1986 Atlantic 10 championship ring, and a woman found it. And on and on the ring says, it identifies, doesn't say his name, it says Boyle, his last name, H.C. She's like, I don't know what the heck this means. So she was going to turn it in, then put it in a box and forgot about it for 25 years. I think she found it in a snowbank or something like that. Well, Dick finds out about this, and Dick writes the story, which appeared in last week's Daily News. And again, that's that's called having a feel for the profession, having a feel for a story. We don't get much of that anymore, where somebody has a feel for the story, something a little bit deeper, something that we're interested in beyond the obvious. We always refer to, and that's what we're not getting at times in the NCAA tournament, where basketball-wise, beyond, okay, I talk about stories and storylines. Okay, those are stories and storylines that take an extended period of time to get through. But here's an opportunity to really get into the basketball part when it's dramatic and educate the basketball fan that, hey, look, this is what you, you know, you know this is what you should be looking for. This is what you should, um, you know, this is, you know, check how it plays out. Look, two-for-one possessions. It's a 30-second shot clock. You know, it's strategy, but you're telling people something beyond being just a moto. Okay, Sean's going to ask the question now. Go ahead, Sean. You want to ask what's a moto? Right? Moto. Master of the obvious. In today's world, we're too much of the master of the obvious. For example, I, I know... For a fact, we talk about different topics on this show than you usually hear talked about in sports talk shows. How often have you ever heard a sports talk show talk about trust? How much a coach needs to troll? Why is a certain player playing trust? Why? What does that mean? 
I mean, that's just a simple example. I mean, you'll hear people talk about the NCAA Wrestling Championship, for example. But today we talked about style. That Penn State style is fun, it's exciting, it's go for it, while everybody else is still stuck in the mud, with a couple of exceptions. I think Isaiah Martinez, obviously Snyder from Ohio State, okay. But everybody else is still stuck in, just don't lose it which sets the sport back dramatically in terms of action. Today we talked about Penn State's go-for-it style, risk-taking, how entertaining it is, how big picture it is. Hockey, about an expansion team being built to win a Big Ten championship in five years, how remarkable that is. It's not just, hey, that's great, look how great, wow, they won in Dover overtime, it's great, well, here are the keys, here's why I won... There's a progression that got them to this point, and it's remarkable as to how the progression happened. And on day one, the first day I met Guy Gadowski, I told him right away, I said, you're starting an expansion team. And he looked at me and said, wow, I never heard it put that way before. I think you're absolutely right. Because that's what he was starting. So you can't always just do the master of the obvious stuff. Because that's too easy. It's too easy. You know what? I think this coach should be fired. Let's do a poll. Phone lines are open. That's easy. Doesn't advance anything, and to me, it's extremely. It's not entertaining. You know what do you learn from that? All right, we'll come back. Wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance. All right. Obviously, my bracket, like your bracket, is completely blown up. If you have a great bracket going, all credit to you. But like the vast majority of you, mine is worth the paper it's written on. (laughs) It's a piece of junk. I'll tell you one mistake I made in my bracket that I regret. I have usually what I refer to as the Syracuse theory. You're like, what's the Syracuse theory? That if I advance Syracuse through the opening round, I automatically roll them into the second round, through the second round. You're like, why would you do that? Here's the reason why. Syracuse plays a 2-3 zone. It's it's the only thing they play. Uh, So obviously, some years are better than others, but for the most part, they're really good at it. The team that wins their opening game and has to face them in the second round has 36 hours to get ready for it. I mean, in practical application, you'll have the coaches are ready for it, but you only have one practice to put it in to play against it. That's it. You have one practice. And that's where I fouled up on West Virginia. I did pick West Virginia to beat Bucknell, but then I had Notre Dame beating them on Saturday. I think part of that was jaded by the fact I saw Notre Dame in person and I really liked how they play. I really like Farrell. I like Vastoria. You know, I like Bonzi Colson. Just good players. I think Mike Bray's a really good coach. But what I failed to take into account was West Virginia's press is so difficult to get ready for in one practice. So you're not going to sit there. Notre Dame's not going to sit there and practice to get ready for West Virginia before their opening round game. They have to get ready for their opening round opponent. Coaching staff's ready for it, but you only have one practice to get ready in practical application on the practice floor where they're teaming against it. I fouled that one up. And 
What's really helped West Virginia, they average 82 points a game. They're hitting shots. And what does hitting shots mean? Hitting shots means you can set your press up. When you're missing shots, you can't. People don't think about that. All right. One more time. What a magical night Saturday was for Penn State. Fry tag, Penn State end. Jammed away from him momentarily. Sweeps it out front. Poked by Thompson forward. Byro. Folks, neutral zone. Gets the pass. Breakaway. Right to left. Deeks. Fire. Scores! The golden goal! Penn State Big Ten champions! Liam Folks, the winner! An incredible scene on the ice as there's pandemonium! A celebration underway! Penn State has done it! He is mob! Jones comes through on the back end! 2-1 double overtime! Big Ten champions! Joseph and Martinez battling ear to ear. Martinez trying to get in. He's in under the arms. Joseph looks like he wants to counter. He throws Martinez on his back. He's got Martinez flat. He got the pin. Vincenzo Joseph pinned him. Vincenzo Joseph wins the national championship in dramatic fashion. Joseph throws Martinez to his back, and he gets the pin. Do you believe it? 425. And how do you do, Vincenzo Joseph? Brian Tripp and Jeff Byers matching the moments with great calls. What a magical night Saturday was for Penn State. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. From the Sunbury Motors Studio, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. We're your home for news, sports, weather, and your home for the Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK, Sunbury.